0: So one of the interesting things about being a pastor is whenever there's an occasion that calls for any kind of prayer, like you're at a a wedding reception and they want you to pray before everyone eats or or a Thanksgiving dinner or whatever it is, whenever there's a need for a special prayer, if you're a pastor, they call on you. You have to do that at the drop of a hat. And it's fine, I don't mind doing it. It's not like it's like work for me to pray to God, you know? That's obviously part of my personal life. I do it just like we're helping you in this series. I don't clock in when somebody asks me to pray, right? But it's interesting because I, I, I don't think the reason I get asked has anything to do with me being a pastor. Um, my friends and family who ask me to do this, they know me. I'm not much different than them or anyone else. I've, I've come to realize the reason people ask me to pray at any of these things is because they don't want to do it. When I was in high school, uh, my friends and I from church, we might go out to lunch after church, or we'd go to Denny's, something like that, and and, uh, we'd know, all right, we're all from church, we're supposed to pray together. We don't pray when we're around non-church people, but when we're together, we'll all pray before the meal. And so we were about to eat, we better pray, nobody wanted to do it. So we had the thumbs up game. Do any of you know the thumbs game? Here, let's try it. Let's see who knows the thumbs game. Okay, looking around. Whoever was the last person to put their thumbs up, you're the one who has to stand up and pray right now. No, you don't have to do that, but that is the thumbs game. The thumbs game is like when the food comes to the table, the last person who gets their thumbs up, they're the one that has to pray. Okay, just think about that. You lose, your punishment is you have to pray. Uh, I'll tell you, I'm not one to think of God as sitting up in heaven, like, ready to strike us with lightning bolts, but that scares me right there. Whenever I would play that game, I would cringe. God, please forgive us. But it showed me something. None of us wanted to pray. Now, there's all sorts of reasons for that, right? Like, some of us, we're afraid of talking in front of other people, and on those big occasions, like a wedding or a, a Thanksgiving dinner, everyone's watching, And you feel like it better be good. It's almost like you're giving a toast at a wedding. And so some of us don't like to pray in front of other people because it puts the spotlight on us. We're up in front. Everybody's watching us. I think others, we don't like to do this because we don't feel worthy. Like we think, you know, the most spiritual person in the room, the the most righteous, holy person in this place ought to be the one that prays. That is certainly not me. So I'm going to pass. I don't want any of you looking at me thinking that I'm what you should be. And maybe you think when somebody asks you to pray, oh my gosh, if I'm the most holy person here, good luck. Our family is in trouble, right? (laughs) A lot of us think that way. But I I have been reflecting on this a little bit the last few weeks. I I think the main reason most of us have some hesitation being the one to pray in front of other people is that we don't know what to say. I, I think the majority of us, what makes us uncomfortable praying out loud, praying in front of a group, even praying for your spouse, or praying for your kids, or praying for someone who tells you that they're sick and they would like prayer, we don't know what to pray. Um, Back when I was in college uh, one year, I was at Thanksgiving dinner with my entire extended family on my Italian side. This is in Chicago, this is on my dad's side. Roman Catholic, very, very Catholic. And it's a big group, and they're kinda loud, you know, they're Italian, and so we all sit down at this very long, nice table, uh, turkey, stuffing, the usual Thanksgiving staples. Yeah, looks a little bit like that. Yeah, we would have turkey, and mashed potatoes, and stuffing, and mostaccioli and meatballs. What, you don't all have lasagna and cannoli at your Thanksgiving dinners? <laughs> Anyway, we would get to the table, and and all of a sudden, this one year, this hush fell over the table before we started to eat, and and, and my uncle turned to me, and he said, hey, you're studying to be a pastor. Why don't you say grace for us this year? Bless the food. And and, and from the end of the table, one of my little elementary school cousins said, does he know the words? (laughs) And I thought, I don't, I don't know the words. Are there some Catholic Thanksgiving words that I'm supposed to know? Because I don't. I'm not Catholic. Well, my little cousin nailed it. The reason people were looking at me to pray was because they probably didn't quite know the words either. And I would bet that is the case for most of us. When it comes to praying in front of other people, we don't know what to say. All right. Can I confess to you as a a pastor who's been in this now for over 25 years? I don't know the words either. I often get in my head about praying in front of you, other people, because I'm not quite sure what to say. And here's the real truth, nobody ever teaches you. They do not teach you how to pray in seminary. Uh, as a kid, you might have learned, now I lay me down to sleep from your parents, you did not learn this. Even in church, we don't teach that we, we, what to pray, we teach that you should pray. Uh, Maybe we teach the Lord's Prayer, but what, am I supposed to just pray the Lord's Prayer every time? Even in church, we rarely teach people how to pray for things and for people like in front of other people. And so as helpful as this series has been, because really we've taken the last six weeks of this series, and we've taught you how to pray six different things um, through these dares, there is one more prayer we want to teach you today, and it's a prayer that you do for other people a prayer you do in a significant moment where the stakes are really high, where things really matter, but it is a prayer that I'd put my money on, most of us never do. And it is called a prayer of blessing. And we don't do it because we don't know how. We don't know the words. And today, I wanna teach them to you. But, but here's the thing. They are not, looking back to last week, they're not a script. They are not memorized lines. I'm not gonna teach you, uh, God is great, God is good, let us thank him for the food, amen. Or, um, thank you for the world so sweet, thank you for the food we eat, thank you for the birds that sing, thank you God for everything. Anybody ever heard that one? Uh, Or my favorite, rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, amen. (laughs) Um, Not gonna teach you that. I'm gonna teach you the ingredients and the elements to what a personal, organic, Heartfelt prayer of blessing really is. I'm gonna gonna teach you how to do it, but first, let me explain why this is important for your family, why it's important for your life. Um, I'll tell you, the first time we see anyone get blessed is in Genesis 1, Adam and Eve. Look, Look at this, Genesis 1, verse 27. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God, say it with me, blessed them. That's the first place we see it in the Bible. But still, that doesn't tell us much about what that actually is. So in Genesis 12, 12, God says to Abram, I will make your name great and you will be a, say it with me, blessing. blessing. Again, that sounds like a good thing. Still don't know what it is. We just know that God wants it for him. Not until a few chapters later, we, we see people doing these things called blessings, praying prayers of blessing over each other. In Genesis 14, Melchizedek, who's a king, he calls Abraham and his whole family together, and he blesses them as a group. In Deuteronomy, just before his death, Moses calls together all the Israelites, and he prays a blessing on all of the people, tribe by tribe, one tribe at a time. And what we start to see in the Old Testament was that a blessing was something that you would do to a person or to a group of people, whether it's a family or a church or a group of friends. You do it to help unite them, pull them together. You would do a blessing to help protect them, and you would do a blessing to mark a milestone in their life. Often, blessings, when they were done was something, uh, they were done when something had changed. Something was different in someone's life. Maybe they're growing up now, or, or the baton is being passed, or someone's gotten married, someone's had a baby. Now, can we just contrast that, why you say blessings today, with, uh, or back then, with why we say bless today? Do you know what the most frequent use of the word bless is today? Bless you when somebody sneezes, right? Bless you. Bless you is what you say when someone sneezes. All right, I looked into why we say bless you after someone sneezes, and there's a bunch of theories on this. Um, One theory is that at one time, people believed a person's soul could be sneezed out of their nose, thrust out of their body by an explosive sneeze, and if you say bless you, it puts like an invisible force field around the person so their soul does not float away and it protects it until the soul can go back in the body. Not making that up, that is a real theory people had. Um, Another theory is that when you sneeze, you're expelling a demon or an evil spirit and the bless you prevents the evil spirit from going back in, that's a real theory. Another theory is that sneezes are lucky. And that when someone sneezes, it's a sign that good luck is on its way. And you say, bless you, is a way to try to get some of that good luck on yourself. Hopefully when they sneeze, that is all you get on yourself, right? (laughs) But blessings in the Bible were so different than that. They were these prayers that had serious implications. See, they believed, this is crazy, you guys, get this. They believed God actually listened to and honored these prayers of blessing that when you prayed a blessing over somebody else, God would actually take you seriously and do what you ask for. And so these were a very important part of family and an important part of community. And, and if, you, if you did not get a blessing from your parents or whoever was supposed to give you one, it was a rough road. The main story that I wanna show you today is in the book of Genesis. It's in Genesis 27, and and I wanna show you the story of a family where blessing takes place and why it is so significant, and then in the story, I think we can find exactly what a blessing is supposed to look like, the elements of a blessing, really, the ingredients. But first, let's just read it together, okay? Genesis 27, verse one, we'll put it up. When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and he said to him, my son, here I am, he answered. And, and Isaac said, I'm now an old man, I can't even see, don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your equipment, your quiver, your bow, and go out to the open country and, and, and wild, uh, hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Now, just a couple of quick things we see here. He's going to give a blessing. You see it in that last line. Now, why is he going to give a blessing? Because there's about to be a rite of passage. I'm gonna die and and you'll become the new man of the house, my firstborn and all, he's marking a milestone. That's why he's giving a blessing. Second thing I wanna point out, he says, go out into the country, hunt and kill some wild game. We're gonna have a special occasion and we're gonna make this a feast. This is what I was telling you, blessings often happened in these important moments and in kind of special ways. Well, the Bible tells us that this man, Isaac's wife is listening. And she does not want Esau, who he's talking to, to get this blessing. She would prefer that their other son, Jacob, get the blessing. And so she comes up with a plan where Jacob will disguise himself as his brother Esau. By making his arms real hairy, like his brother's, he will walk in, prepare a feast, walk into his dad, and pretend to be his brother and get the blessing while Esau is out hunting. And so he tries this, and it works. Remember that first verse we read? Isaac's eyesight is bad. He is fooled. Now, look at the blessing that he gives. Verse 26. Then his father Isaac said to him, come here, my son, and kiss me. And so he went to him and he kissed him. And when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you of heaven's dew and of earth's richness, an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and people bow down to you. May you be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. Now, we're gonna come back and look at this blessing and learn a little bit about what this blessing is supposed to be in just a minute. But, But look at what happens, all right? Verse 30, Esau comes in from hunting. He prepares the feast like he's supposed to. He goes into his dad and he says, all right, I am ready to be blessed. And look at verse 32. His father Isaac asked him, who are you? I am your son, he answered. I'm your firstborn, I'm Esau. And Isaac trembled violently and said, Who was it then who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came in and I blessed that guy and indeed he will be blessed. And it says, when Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and he said to his father, bless me too, father. And this is a good place for us to stop for a minute. In Old Testament times, each child in the family was given a general blessing. Uh, It's not like there was only one blessing just for the firstborn. If if you were to skip to Genesis 49, we'd see that every single child in Jacob's family, all 12 sons, received a blessing from him. So, So Esau is not asking for this general blessing. He's likely gotten from his father many general blessings over his life, many special occasions in the past. He's asking for this one special blessing, this particular rite of passage blessing that he has been waiting his entire life for. The blessing where his dad makes him the oldest son, the patriarch of the entire family. And he shows up and he finds out that his dad has given it away. And he says to his dad, dad, bless me too. But, But look at verse 35. Isaac says to him, I can't take it back. He says, your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. Okay, time out. Why can't you take it back? Why can't you? It's just words. I mean, if I said the words, I can surely rescind the words. They're my words. I can do whatever I want with my words. Well, remember what I said earlier? A prayer of blessing is special. It's not just a prayer where you say what you would like to see happen, right? A blessing is not just you giving your approval to something like, you want to marry my daughter? You have my blessing, right? A blessing is when you say, God, based on my relationship with you, I am invoking your power your promise. I am from the depth of my soul with all I have requesting that you put forth this thing that I ask. These are not magic words. There are no magic words, but in a prayer of blessing, something spiritual happens in that moment where you seek God to move on your behalf for something, for somebody else. See, what we learn right here, when Isaac says, I can't take it back, what we learn right there is this is more than just words. Something has been set in motion with God and his other son, Jacob, in that moment. It's like he prayed this, and God has already begun acting on it. Now, let, let me just pause here. I'm not sure I'm comfortable with this. Um, I remember growing up loving these magic phrases, abracadabra. Open sesame, a la peanut butter sandwiches. Does anybody remember a la peanut butter sandwiches? And now that we're adults and we are smarter and I'll say we're more jaded, we know that that stuff doesn't work. And of course it's true, that stuff does not work. But because of that, I start to think there's probably no special words that I could say to God that would cause doors to open and people to turn invisible and make me fly. And we're right, there are no magic words that God causes God to do those things. Not that I know of. But that does not mean there are not words we can say to God that will cause him to bless someone. (laughs) This is not Harry Potter. There are not magic words and wands and if you do really well you get far ahead in Hogwarts or whatever. This is the God of the universe saying, if you pray from the bottom of your heart, my will for someone, not just anything, that's important. Can we say that together, not just anything? Not just anything. But if you pray for someone, my will for them I can set a blessing in motion. This is not magic, it's a relationship with God. Okay, praying God's will, not just anything, his will. Let's talk about that. When you pray a prayer of blessing, God won't just honor and respond to whatever crazy thing you wanna say. God will respond to and bless the things that he wants to see happen too. Back to this Genesis 27 thing. What I haven't told you yet is long before Jacob tricks his dad, into giving him this blessing that made him the new patriarch of the family. Long before that, God had already expressed his desire, his will for Jacob to be the eventual leader. Genesis 25, take a look at this. Before these two kids are even born, God actually says, two nations are in your womb and two people from within you will be separated and one will be stronger than the other. And look, the older will serve the younger. It is not just that Isaac prays these words over Jacob and God makes them happen because he said magic words. It's that he prays these words about his son and they are words that set in motion the events that God is already wanting. Well, let's talk about that. You're saying that words can set something in motion? The Bible is full of people who pray these blessings and the expectations that when they do, God actually does something in the lives of the people that they bless. And I believe that that can be true for you. I, I believe that you can pray a blessing over your friends. And you can pray a blessing over your small group. You can pray a blessing over your spouse. You can pray a blessing over your children, even your adult children, not just your young kids. And that, when you do it, it can begin to set in motion spiritual activity from the God of the universe who's in agreement with what you might be praying for them. But the reason we don't do it, we don't know the words. And so, with the remaining time, I want to show you how to do this. I wanna show you and, and we're gonna put four things up that are ingredients to a prayer of blessing and uh, what I would encourage you to do, because there's no words to memorize these, just four ingredients, pull out your phone and take a picture of them when we're all done so you've got them with you. I'm not gonna give you lines. I'm gonna tell you how to do a personal, heartfelt, organic prayer of blessing, the ingredients. And let me just say, as I do, I'm greatly indebted to a great book I read called The Blessing by Gary Smalley and, and uh, he's done tons of research and education on this and, and actually, all four elements we already saw in the story that we read, and I'll just show you the first one. Uh, this is out of Genesis 27, this, this blessing. Look again at verse 26, all right? Then his father Isaac said to him, come here, my son, and kiss me. Just as he's about to begin the blessing, Isaac Asks for them to have this meaningful moment where they come close. All right, if the kiss thing is weird for you, don't let it be. You don't have to kiss someone when you bless them. Although, I do have some single friends listening who are getting excited about the idea of going around kissing other people. Um, it's not about a kiss, it's about a meaningful touch. Meaningful touch. Jacob would go on to bless two of his own grandsons. We read about this later in Genesis, right? And as, as Jacob prays for them, he places his hands on each of their heads. Okay. Jesus does this with little children that come to him. In Mark, Mark 10:13 says, people were bringing little children to Jesus and, and, and him to put their hands, his hands on them. But the disciples rebuke the kids. Jesus is too busy for this. And Jesus gets upset, says, get out of the way. And we read in verse 16, he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them and bless them. Touch, touch, touch is why you might hold hands around the dinner table when you pray. Um, It's why our elders here when we pray for people that come to us asking to pray for healing, we ask, is it all right if I put a hand on you? Because meaningful touch provides this caring background to the words that you speak. It breaks down walls. Touch shows love and it's a key part of blessing someone. Now, this can be hard for some of us to do because you might not come from a warm affectionate background right Uh, get this a sociologist studied the touch behavior of pairs of people in coffee shops around the world and the difference in cultures was staggering in puerto rico people touched on average 180 times per hour when they sat together for coffee that's like once every 20 seconds you guys. In Paris, it was 110 times per hour. In Gainesville, Florida, you ready? It was two times per hour. (laughs) Pretty much that's shaking hands when you walk in and maybe accidentally brushing fingers when you pass the salt, right? At least it's not London. In London, it's zero times per hour. Okay, we are not known as a country of huggers, but we've gotta realize, healthy, appropriate, meaningful touch does something spiritual and emotional in the lives of the person that you're blessing. Second element, second ingredient, we see this in Genesis 27 too. It is a spoken word. All right, in the scriptures, a blessing's not a blessing until it is spoken out loud. Now this one seems to go without saying. We're in a prayer series. Of course we're gonna tell you to pray your blessing out loud. But I don't wanna take this for granted. I cannot tell you how many people say, It is not a big deal for me to say the actual words. My kids know that I love them and they're special without me having to say it. Yet, how many people do we all know who've grown up feeling like they don't have their their parents' love and their parents' acceptance, right? And a lot of that, it was just silence. It's incredibly important to say your words of blessing out loud. Third element, and now we're gonna talk about the actual words you say. Attach high value. At the very core of this concept of blessing someone, it's to say, you are so important. You are very valuable to me. The root of the Hebrew word for blessing is actually bow the knee. When we say, I wanna bless God, we're saying, I wanna adore God on bended knee. But I want you to get the picture here. When you bless a person, the first thing you speak is words that place value on the person that or the, or the group you're blessing. It is recognizing something special about this individual. Again, Genesis 27, this is verse 27, he says, ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. All right, it does not sound like such a compliment, but, but Jacob knew what his dad meant. Um, is there anybody here like me who, who, who loves the smell of a freshly cut lawn, the grass smell of that, or, Uh, Or maybe you've lived near a farm or on a farm and you know the smell when they've been out harvesting the wheat or or, or the the grains. And and there's just been a recent rain shower and it smells like refreshing and new on that farm. Isaac takes a moment in this blessing to say, here's something that is great about you, son. Here's one thing that makes you special. He attaches value. Um, I used to do this when my kids were younger and I would put them to sleep, and I would pray a prayer of blessing on them, I would find something in them that is incredible. With one of them, it's how sensitive she is. Uh, With another, it's how stubborn she is. Um, In a good way, I didn't call it stubborn when I prayed. I called it driven, focused. And when I would pray, I would bring up those traits that are valuable. I'd say, God, thank you for making her so focused. She is so tenacious and she holds on tight to things and she shows commitment, and that is a valuable thing, God. Um, I, I wish I had more time to help you see how you do that, but I'll just tell you many of the blessings we see in Scripture open with somebody expressing the value and worth of the group or the person that they're praying for. All right, fourth element get out your cameras, picture a special future. This is the fourth. Picture a special future. Let me show you what Isaac does in Genesis 27. Uh, Oh, wait. I'll give you a second to take a picture because I was going to put a verse up. He says in verse 28, may God, oh, I'll put it up behind me. Oh, we're good. Okay. May God give you of heaven's dew and of earth's richness an abundance of grain and new wine. He's he's talking about the future. May nations serve you. May people bow down to you. He puts a picture in front of Jacob of what the future may be. Now, let's just, fair warning here, all right? Let me be clear. Some of these Old Testament blessings that we read, some aspects of them were very unique to that time. Do not go around praying for people that other people bow down to them and serve them, right? Many of these prayers were by people who had like actual audible conversations with God where he told them what the future would be. Remember I said when we're praying a blessing, if the things we pray line up with what God wants, his will, we're setting something spiritual in motion. Well, some of these people had it easy because God had literally told them what his will was. And so I understand, it's a little bit different today. A modern day blessing, it does not predict the future. It pictures it. It definitely pictures it. Again, just, you know, speaking to, to blessing your kids. Uh, Gary Smalley writes in this book, children begin to take steps down the positive pathway pictured for them when they hear words like these. God, you have given her such a sensitive heart. I wouldn't be surprised if she ends up helping a, helping a great many people when she gets older. Or God, he is such a great helper. When he grows up and marries someday, he's gonna be such a help to his family. It is praying a positive picture of this special future. Again, we're not predicting the future when we bless people. We are in this prayer providing hope and direction toward what could be, toward a future they could have within their grasp. And if that picture is God's will too, you are spiritually setting something in motion when you pray that prayer. Um, One of the prayers that I pray for my daughters is that they will grow up to be leaders. And at first, I felt weird doing that because I thought, well, what if she doesn't want to be a leader? Not everybody's a leader. Maybe I'm putting too much pressure on with that. But you know what? I'm not. I'm not praying that one of them's the president of the United States or takes over Apple. I'm just praying that she be leading wherever she is, whether that's at work, whether that's at church, whether that's in her home, her family. And that special future pictured for her out loud can set in motion, God's will for her to lead in one of those places. Now, we are almost out of time, so let me give you this dare, and this is your final dare in this series, right? Next week, uh, next week we have kind of a standalone service where I'm gonna just walk you through some things that were really important that God taught me on my sabbatical, but, but here's what your dare is, and I'm telling you, this can change your life. In the coming week, in weeks, and months, You will have many opportunities to bless people. You will. You you, you might sit down with family and friends for dinner and someone's gonna ask you to say grace. Or or you might be sending one of your kids away to college for the first time. I took my my daughter to college last September and I prayed a prayer of blessing outside her dorm room door and bawled like a baby. (laughs) Uh, You might have one going off to high school for the first time. I got one of those this year. Uh, You might be sitting with a friend who is dealing with a health issue like you saw in that drama. Let let me, you will someday sit with a friend who's dealing with a health issue like you saw in that drama. You might have a friend who's about to take a big leap of faith in their career. Who knows? You may feel God prompting you to pray for someone that just seems like they need prayer. I dare you to pray a prayer of blessing. I dare you to put your hand on somebody or hug them or do whatever they feel comfortable with. I dare you to out loud pray words that make them feel valuable and words that picture a special future. And as you do it, as unnatural as this may seem, I ask you to muster every ounce of connection you have to God and own that prayer. I dare you to draw on your connection to God, however big that is, however small you feel that is. Doesn't matter, whatever you have got, and compel him to bless the lives of the person or the family or the people that you are praying for. And then I encourage you to watch what you set in motion over the coming days. Watch how God blesses and honors what you've asked. All right, Um, before we go, we thought it would be special to just sing a blessing over you right now, these four things. Um, I cannot meaningfully touch all of you right now, but here's what I'd ask. If you are next to someone that you know well and you wanna place your arm around them or hold their hand, would you go for that right now? And, and would you just listen to the words of this song that are truly a blessing over you? They really are. Would you just let them sink into your soul?
1: to you. Lord, turn his faith toward you and he- Oh ah. Is for you, and behind you, and beside you, all around you, and within you, he is with you, he is with you, in the morning, in the evening, and you're coming, and you're going, and you weeping, and rejoicing, he is for you, he is for you. Before we go, I want to pray for you as you walk through the rest of this week and the week laying ahead of you. That when the opportunities and the moments present themselves for you to speak blessing over somebody in your life or somebody you come in contact with, that you will. Let's pray together. God, what we do in this room when we gather here on Sundays is so precious, and I love it, God. But I'm also reminded that there are six other days of this week where we're living in our communities and our lives, our families, our work, our school, wherever we are, Father, God. And I pray that you would continually be enabling us and equipping us to speak blessing over the people who walk into our lives, Father. Help us to be intentional with that, Lord. To take every opportunity, every chance, every moment as a gift from you to speak blessing for the people in our lives who need it the most, God. And above all else, God, we love you. Thank you. Thank you for creating us, Lord. Thank you for loving us, for being a good father, for being closer than a brother, for being a good friend, God. Amen. Amen. All right. Amen. Well, we had a great day with you. and We will see you back here next Sunday. Have an incredible week. We love you. Bye.